This is Allie Henney, and you're listening to Combing the Roots, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. Well, we're in a time of racial reckoning. Stay tuned to find out more. It's good to be back on another episode of Combing the Roots. I am excited to be here and talking with y'all today and having the opportunity for y'all to hear some of my thoughts. It's always, I'm always so humbled just by your interaction, just by your your comments, your your likes, the 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 fan mail that y'all that y'all send me, the emails I say fan mail that makes me feel it makes me feel really special to be like, oh I got fan mail. Like there's not like the post office isn't delivering mail to my house that's fan mail but I do occasionally you know get get some messages from people they're like oh Allie this is wonderful I occasionally get some emails from some folks and so it's it's definitely in, encouraging and it definitely gives me some I guess strength <laughs> it gives me some strength to to keep fighting this fight and to and to keep going forward so I'm thankful for all of y'all my, my listeners the, the the people who follow this podcast the people who follow my my work i want to take some time to speak about this this thing that's been going on in our culture for the last you know two or three months at this point um it's been since april or may but really i say like it's been since april or may this is just the latest wave of the the new civil rights movement this is because it comes in cycles and waves it'll come there, there will be a time whenever there's, whenever there's heightened activism, when there's heightened fervor on the issue of racial justice, and then something else will happen. It'll get a few news cycles, and then something else will happen, and so it'll fade for the ba- fade to the background for the mainstream. For us, it's often in the front of our minds, but for a lot of people in the mainstream, it's kind of you know the issue of the moment, the flavor of the week, and then it'll go away, and then unfortunately, it takes another black death. Um, it takes or another set of black deaths for then it to rise to media attention again. And I, and I think I've said before that I think that the cycle is getting quicker and it's it's happening, it's happening faster. It's happening more, more it feels like it's happening um, more often that there are, that there are less breaks between the cycle, um, but it's happening. And so we're in this moment again. And I feel like that this moment is a little bit different than previous moments. And in, I think in previous moments, there had kind of been a a recognition there had been racial recognition but not reckoning and so at this point we're seeing a reckoning and I say reckoning but I mean it's is a reckoning with like a lowercase r it's not like the big reckoning the big uh you know the big come to Jesus moment if you if you will um it's not that it's not that type of thing I don't think. I think that there's that there is a lot farther. There's a lot more that can be done. But we're seeing a moment when racism. People are like, oh, okay, well, we need to we need to fix that. We need to we need to fix some of the things that we've that we've done in the past. So you're seeing where old TV shows, where where the producers, where the where the people who are even on some of these shows, where the parent company, the people who just who are in charge of distribution of some of these shows, are saying, okay, well, we are going to cut out certain episodes. So that happened with 30 Rock. Um, Tina Fey decided that they, there apparently were several blackface gags on the show. 
And they, um, I, I shouldn't speak on what I don't know. It might not have been several. It might have just been one. At any rate, there are some blackface episodes that were, that she was like, okay, well, we're not going to do this. Like, we're going to, we're going to take those out of the rotation in syndication. And we're going to, we're going to take those off of Hulu or, or wherever it was. And I guess something that's a little bit more in my wheelhouse, um, the Golden Girls, which also does employ um, some aspects of crude humor, but but differently than something like The Office. The Golden Girls, I, I definitely love The Golden Girls. The Golden Girls is about the only one of the few comedy shows that I watch and watch frequently. Um, but they, there was an episode where there was a blackface gag um, in that and they pulled the NBC decided um, to pull that episode from Hulu. So we've seen that kind of like at the, at the cultural level. And then we have, of course, you know, Confederate flags and Confederate statues coming down. We have people losing their jobs over racist comments that they, that they made. We have people like Jimmy Kimmel. Wow. I never thought I'd see, I'd see this coming. Cause you know, I'm just going to be real. Like I'm not a late night show watcher. I mean, you know, surprisingly as somebody who's not a big fan of comedy I always have found Jimmy Kimmel to be extremely problematic um and before he before that even like I'm pretty sure he was on the man show and that show was a cluster um but just I've always found Jimmy Kimmel (laughs) I've, I've not found Jimmy Kimmel funny I have felt often that um that some of his humor borders on being racist anyway and so but Jimmy Kimmel of all people um comes out and is like yeah you know I did um I did some some blackface things where I it was both uh, verbal blackface where he was on a radio show I think imitating Carl Malone and then he brought that gag to TV and he was like hey I'm not gonna do this anymore and or he was like hey I did this and I regret it oops I was in blackface I'm sorry don't cancel me um, is effectively what happened so we kind of have that that moment too where you have where you have um, people in in different industries who have recognized that the way that they did things in the past and the way that they comported themselves in the past isn't going to cut it and so if somebody because the internet like 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 the black internet will pull your receipts like black people on the internet like like you get black women on the internet <laughs> we will pull all of your receipts. We will have your last known address. People will be able to find people's birth certificates on the internet. Now I'm exaggerating a little bit, but for real, I mean, black people, black Twitter especially, just always comes with the receipts, just always comes with the, like does not forget anything that anybody has ever said or done. And people be like, oh, this person said this racist. Oh, this person did this racist. And then the next thing you know is it is a huge controversy. And so there were a lot of celebrities there were a lot of people who who decided to get ahead of of those things that may have inevitably come out as as things have endured increasing scrutiny and so there's been this this moment where people are kind of saying if it's not a full and the reason why I call it a lowercase r reckoning is because it's kind of like we're going to apologize for the things that we did in the past that we recognize that people maybe wouldn't think are okay and maybe it's not okay and so we're going to apologize for that but i don't really i'm not really convinced that people are doing the requisite work 
to to revise what they're what they're doing now and to revise their course forward. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to expound on this a little bit more in the next segment. segment, I talked about how we are in a moment of racial reckoning in this nation. But I said that this moment of racial reckoning, it's it's reckoning with a lowercase r. So in this segment, I want to expound on that just a little bit more. So the reason why I say that this racial reckoning that we're experiencing, this moment, this, I guess you could even say call it a, a season, because I think it's been about three months and I guess a season is about four months. So I guess we can maybe even call it a season of racial reckoning. The reason why I say that it's, that it's reckoning with a lowercase r is because I am not entirely convinced that people are are reckoning with how we move forward. They're not, re- I don't think that they're really, um, that, they're, that people are really reckoning with what does justice look like in the here and now. I think that people are doing more kind of reckoning and maybe repenting and maybe whatever else for, for the past. And I don't think that that's, that that's wrong. Don't, I think that that is part of the process. I think that a lot of, I think that I've said this on here before, but if I haven't said it before, I'm going to go ahead and say it now, that I think a lot of the problem with racism today is that white folks kind of see themselves as individuals and they don't quite see themselves as being historical beings. They don't see themselves where, where we tend to see ourselves in light of our ancestors, in light of the, the past, present and the future. White folks don't do that. White folks are just really super kind of individualistic and just really super kind of like, okay, hey, I'm in the moment. The, the, this is the best moment of our, of our lives and blah, 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 and don't, and don't really, aren't very reflective. I try to take a charitable view of people because I just try to do that. But there's people who be like, oh, no, they lying. But there's a lot of white folks that I, that I encounter that are like, I had no idea that thing, that things that are in history that, that I learned about in school, that, that, that me, Allie learned about in school. They're like, hey, I had no idea that that happened. And so, I mean, I guess I kind of try to take people at their word for it and be charitable and not just say that they're, that they're lying. Um, but whether or not, whether they're lying or not is immaterial, basically like if, whether they've just have pushed it out their mind, whether it's that they literally weren't taught some of these things. And it really, I mean, some of these people living in the South, maybe they weren't taught stuff. Like maybe, maybe there were things, aspects of history that they, that they simply were not taught, or maybe that somebody taught it to them. It was in their history book, but it wasn't enough for them. It, it, it wasn't taught in a way that it stuck. It wasn't taught in a way that's like, yeah, this, this, these, these fountains are direct, these segregated water fountains are directly connected to the slavery that we learned about in the other unit. And that's connected to some of these issues that we're having today. Like, I, I don't know if maybe if for some folks, it's just that, that those lines, it was never taught to them in a way. It was just sort of like, Hey, yeah, here's this thing that happened. Okay. We're just going to kind of run by that because it makes white people feel bad. I don't really know what it is. But what I do know is that 
part of understanding racism today. You can't really understand, we know this, you can't really understand racism today without looking at it in a, through a historical frame. Because there's, there is a context to what we've experienced. And so you can't just, you can't just divorce the things that are happening today. You can't just divorce George Floyd. You can't divorce George, uh, George Floyd from Eric Garner, that, that, that those things happened like six years apart. You can't divorce George Floyd from, from that context, let alone divorcing him from the, the context of, of Emmett Till, let alone divorcing him from the, from the context of Rodney King, divorcing him from the context of, of the, the hundreds and thousands of lynchings that happened in the South that you can't, you can't divorce that from, from the way that, from the history of policing in this nation. Like you, like, like all the threads are, are there though. The threads are there and the threads are connected yet white for white people. It's just sort of like, they want to see stuff as, they want to see everything as an isolated incident whenever it's not an isolated incident. Cause we're sitting here like, yo, this is, this is connected. This stuff is, this stuff is related. This stuff is a history that's built upon one another. And so white folks is just now coming. They're just now coming to that recognition that, oh, hmm. Yeah. Some of like, I like, yeah, I didn't own slaves, but my God, like some of the stuff that's going on today actually has something to do with that. And so I think that we're in a necessary stage of, oh, okay, let me, so, so like I mentioned in the last segment, Jimmy Kimmel saying, okay, hey, let me, let me come on and just go ahead and get ahead of anything where, where, you know, I, where I imitated somebody in blackface. Let me go ahead and say that that was wrong. Let me reflect, let me reflect on my past and, and get my own skeletons out of my, out of my own closet. And so you have, you know, you have Tina Fey being like, okay, well, we're going to, well, we're going to pull this episode or multiple episodes whatever it was of 30 rock okay like we like we're gonna do that um you've got nbc saying okay you know what we're we're gonna we're gonna not have this we're gonna pull this episode of the golden girls down from hulu you've got just all sorts of of different things and there's been reckonings like this these lowercase r reckonings in the past in fact this happened during the civil rights movement um this happened in the 50s and 60s where it where that was the point when blackface became um, less acceptable and is totally unacceptable today. And, and most folks would, would agree on that. And some people will argue about what blackface actually is. And that's, and that's still a problem because people aren't, aren't developed in their, in their understanding and critical thinking and contextual skills yet. And so we, we haven't quite reached that, that point where, um, where people have reached that, that stage where they can have, where they can discern something as racist without like needing it to look exactly the the way that um, something that we formerly held as being racist looks. And so what I mean by that is that like, um, and I'll use the Golden Girls, I think is a good example of that. So the, the gag that was in the Golden Girls episode, which was that episode aired in 1988, eight, I think, um, I can't remember, or 1987, something, something like that. It was, it was from, it was an episode from the eighties and it was just some characters with a mud mask on their face. And, but the whole thing, the whole, the, the joke was that it was blackface is that, is that there were some black people who, who showed up at their house and was, and were kind of looking at them like crazy, like, okay, what are y'all doing here? And the whole thing, like none of the jokes in the scene work without the tacit understanding that Rose and Blanche are 
in blackface. Like there's it, and it's not it's not carried out. There there are some jokes in the scene that are problematic. Who has like the full full episode? So whenever you watch it in syndication, there's a few things that they cut out. Um, so you don't so you don't get the whole essence of the of the thing. But there's some there's some parts there's some jokes in the scene that that aren't necessarily blackface related jokes, but are but are kind of problematic. And so whenever this episode was being pulled off of Hulu. There were a lot of people, there's this outcry um, among people that were like, oh, this isn't bad. This isn't whatever. This isn't blackface because their understanding of blackface is minstrelsy. And so they can't see where a white person wearing brown stuff on their face and they're kind of being racial jokes within that context, how that's blackface. And so there's this whole kind of thing where um, as, P- as we are in this lowercase r reckoning that there's still, that people still need to develop in their understanding, but they are at least recognizing that stuff is wrong. And so they're, they are recognizing that there are things that are in the past that were wrong. And so, and that they are somehow maybe even tangentially related to things that are happening today. But the reason why I make this into a lowercase r reckoning is that people, what I'm seeing now is that it's like, you know, white folks are like, oh, okay, cool. Like, we're not gonna, like, oh, I feel bad about this thing that I did in the past. But then not recognizing that like, there's stuff that you did today that is tied to racism. There are systems that you participate in, like right now, that you're participating in that are problematic. A lot of these folks out here want want to then, because I think that even talking about the past and so even doing some of those things, like, I mean, them Confederate statues, Ben needed to have come down. So, I mean, so a lot of them statues were erected like, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years after the Civil War. They weren't, they, it wasn't like the South lost. It wasn't like Lee surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse. And then the next day they were casting a statue of him to put in Richmond. Like it, was, it wasn't like that. Like it was, it was, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years after the Confederacy lost that these statues started going up thanks to the daughters of the Confederacy who are trying to keep the memory and the culture and all this other type of stuff alive. So it wasn't even like, you know, that these things, that these things were going, were going up in any time that would have really brought any kind of honor to people. It was, it was white people, just white people and whatever. And so them statues been needed to have come down, but it took what? Like it took how much innocent black blood being shed for somebody to decide to take down a statue. Like it, it blows my mind. Just, just it's so ridiculous that it takes, it takes all of this. So people have been talking about taking them statues down for a good long time, but even just in the last six years, that's been, a, that's been a conversation just, you know, even since the Charleston massacre and since Charlottesville. So, you know, within like the last three to five years, the conversation has really heated up how many black people how much black blood has been spilled for somebody to be like okay yeah cool I I guess we can take the statue down now that's inside that people are rallying around that's that's in that's inciting some of this violence that's 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 a point that's serving as a rallying point for people who want to keep the status quo like what the like what the heck y'all and so like so to me like that's you know that's little r reckoning <laughs> that's saying okay well we're gonna deal with the past and we're gonna deal it's easy like i mean they i i get it that they don't feel like it's easy but it's really easy to take down the statue like comparatively i mean i know that there's labor that goes into it but taking down a statue is really easy pulling a an episode 
off of YouTube or off of Hulu or Netflix or wherever, that's actually relatively easy. That doesn't that doesn't really like cost anything. I mean, it might cost some of those actors residual pay, but that's a relatively small amount of reckoning. And it's something that is easy to deflect and be like, oh, okay, cool. The past, like, yeah, that's the past. And so I can, and so I can apologize. It's easier to apologize or it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to actually make substantive change. And so for me, what it comes down to is substantive change. And I think that black folks, we have to keep pushing for that substantive change. You took the statue down. That's great. We don't need that level of violence. We don't need white supremacists to have something that they can rally around or that they can call the troops to. Wonderful. But we need more. We need more substantive change. We need y'all to do more. We need y'all to do to do better. We need y'all to carve out a better path than what you have. And so I don't think that that we have reached the level of reckoning that would necessitate massive change. And it's, it's, and I keep saying it's just, it's ridiculous to me that it took all of this. It took watching somebody get choked out on your phone to realize like, oh, hey, maybe I shouldn't have done blackface back in the day. I mean, the thing is, is that I really feel like these folks already knew that it was wrong. Like they already knew that they were wrong, but they were just trying to, I don't know, ride the wave or whatever for, for as long as they could. And then whenever they, real, whenever they realized suddenly that people are going to start calling them out for the things that they did well let me get ahead of it and let me do damage control and that's really I think an issue now is that a lot of people are doing damage control instead of repairing they're doing the bare minimum that they can to make sure that they don't lose their career to make sure that they don't lose their business to make sure that they don't lose their influence or whatever but they're not repairing anything they haven't actually reckoned with the problem. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in the next segment. Stay tuned. couple of segments, I talked about why I think that the racial reckoning that is happening in America right now is a reckoning with a lowercase r. So in this segment, I want to talk about how I think that we, that, that Black people, how can we affect a racial reckoning that takes place with a capital R? Now, in saying this, I want to recognize that the reckoning, the revolution, the whatever you want to call it, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be something that makes us, it will feel good about it, I think, once it happens. But I think that going through the process of reckoning is going to be painful for us. It's not that there's really anything that we have to reckon with, but we have to be around white people who are reckoning with their racism and the racism and this culture. And so 
we are the ones that whenever this type of thing happens, we're the ones that they run to our inboxes and, oh, help me understand this and blah, 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 blah. So there's emotional labor that gets spent there. Um, there's just dealing with people's, people's violence just in, in, life in a normal context where people are insensitive and they don't want to reckon with the past and they don't want to reckon with the present and they don't want to reckon with how they need to change their behavior in order for there to be a better future and so there's there's violence that's done and so I don't you know, just come to this table glibly, like, okay, yeah, y'all, we're, we're gonna start the revolution, you know, we're gonna get the white man, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't come to the table lightly at all with this, because it costs our ancestors, and it's gonna cost us, and it's gonna be uncomfortable, but I think that at the end of the day, like, the reason why I'm out here, I've said this before, is for my, is for my kids. And I don't want my kids to have to fight the same battles that I've had to fight. I don't want my kids to have to be out here and be traumatized by the same things that I've been traumatized by. I don't want my kids' relationship with their white family, with other white people that they that they may know and encounter in their life. I don't want their relationships whenever the next wave of stuff happens and, and maybe we can maybe we can end racism now, you know, I I don't know if it's something that, that will end in our lifetime. But I don't want this my kids to have to go through the same things that I had to go through. And so I recognize that, that like, and I realize that not everybody has kids and not, not everybody's thinking about the future in that way. And so I don't want to, you know, I, I don't even want to like center myself and be like, well, I'm thinking about my kids in the future and like, whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not even trying to center myself in that respect. But what I'm trying to say is that like, we come from a collective culture and we, there's, there's somebody that talks about um, being a good ancestor. And so, you know, I want to be a good, a good ancestor. And I want to think about future generations of black people in this country who are going to have to live. And I, and the things that we had to deal with in the past, I want it to be the past, just like, you know, I don't have to deal with segregated water fountains and segregated bathrooms. I don't want the next generation to have to deal with people who are operating in white fragility. I don't want for them to have to deal with redlining. I don't want them to have to deal with mass incarceration. I don't want them to have to deal with watching black death and, and lynchings happen live on, on their phones or whatever device it is that they, that they have. I don't, I don't want that for them. We had that. I don't, want that for them. And I hope that they don't have any battles, but if they do have battles, I hope that they, that they are different battles and that they are wildly different battles and that they're battles that we couldn't have even imagined fighting, but things have gotten so much better that we're like, wow, like that's, that's how things are. So anyway, in affecting this, this reckoning, I think that it's important for us to, to, you know, recognize kind of kind of the heaviness and stuff of the moment, but it's it is important for us to be bold and to hold people's feet to the flames. I think that it's important for us to to speak up and speak out whenever as much as we can, as much as we're safe, be able to to clearly speak out about the things that are that are wrong, that are being done to us. 
I think that in the past, it was very hard for our ancestors to speak out. You know, they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have black Twitter. They didn't have social media. They didn't have TikTok. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have any of that. They didn't, they, they, you know, barely, they, they had networks for sure. They had social networks and stuff for sure, but they didn't have the ability to connect with and to share with other black people across the nation. And so I think that what and what we've seen even is that the most change is affected first of all when people because for whatever reason people can't just take our word for it they got to be able to see what is happening they got to be able they, they and i don't think that we need to sit and like record black death and just be like you know holding black death and whatever up and and holding times whenever we're being abused and and posting it and being like yeah and like it's and it becomes a, a thing but i think that it's important for us to be to be bold in our witness to what is happening to us. And I think that as we continue to speak out, as we continue to unpack some of these things for white society in particular, that is something that that will that will help us in the long run. Um, and I say this, and it's not like I, I don't want to insinuate that we must always be in a posture of unloading our pain for white people's consumption. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is that whenever we boldly stand it and we boldly stand in instances, even when we're being abused, because we know that we're because we know that we're right and we're showing the world we're putting america to shame essentially and saying this is this is how we're being treated and we're going to be bold about what's happening to us and and sharing what's happening to us to the world i think that forces white people's hand it forces them to it puts it in their face in a way that they can't continue to look away and so this isn't like i said this isn't like an, an un an unloading in a way that is unhealthy for us that that puts us in a position of of weakness but actually having strength and power and I'm I know that I'm on the right side you I can't help but think of congressman John Lewis and he recently passed and thinking about how there's this infamous photograph of him as mugshot of him um, after he's been arrested and he has a smile on his face and there's a there's a very uh, similar photo of ct vivian who also passed they passed on the same the same day and they're smiling and somebody asked congressman lewis why he was smiling one time and he was like he was smiling because he knew that he was right and he knew that he was on the right side of history we have to be in that we have to take that same posture i think as our ancestors and just be like hey i'm in the right i think that it's so important for us not to coddle white people in this moment i think that that something that i see a lot is that whenever a white person does wrong says wrong whatever there's always somebody it's always somebody that 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 comes and kind of you know tries to run damage control for the oppressors and like we don't have to do that stuff we don't we don't have to make white people feel good about their racism 
We don't have to make them feel good about mistreating us. No matter how nice this person is normally in their life, but they did and said something racist, we don't have to make them feel good. And so I think that we have to, and this goes kind of back to that boldness piece that we just have to be real. We just have to be honest about what people have done. And then whenever people get upset about it, um, not, not coddling them. You know, not saying, not making it like, oh, you know, and whenever I say coddle, I think that, you know, having an ethic of where we are gracious and grace filled and where as we are able to, to process this and if, and for those of us who espouse a Christian ethic, certainly forgiveness is important. But I think that, um, speaking specifically from a Christian lens, I think that whiteness has created this framework of forgiveness and has created a framework of grace that that's really weak. Um, and so a lot of black Christians bristle against it. Like I'm not forgiving nobody because, or I'm not like whatever, because a lot of us in more activist spaces, we bristle against that because we're actually bristling against the white version of that. But I think that is, that, that is powerful to be able to walk in grace and love towards somebody, but to also be like, you know, Hey, I forgive you, but there's still consequences. Like there's like, like this, we're still going to talk about this. Forgiving you doesn't mean that, that I have to be silent about it. Forgiving you means that I, that, that I'm not holding you hostage in my brain and letting you take up real estate. And I'm allowing that thing to, to make me feel a certain way. Forgiveness is okay. I'm going to, I'm releasing the power of your oppression over me, but I'm still going to hold you to account for what you did forgiveness doesn't, doesn't mean that you don't get held accountable like I can forgive you I can love you and I can have and I can want to walk in grace and peace with you but guess what like you are going to be held accountable so I think that it's so important that we hold people accountable for what they've done the next aspect that I think will that will bring the reckoning is for us to know like I you I I harp on the white folks all the time about like y'all gotta be educated but y'all fam I know that this is our lived experience, but we have got to be educated. We have got to be educated about, about frameworks and paradigms of oppression. We just, we have to have the knowledge. We have to have the ability to be able to, to talk about this thing. And I, you know, a lot of times whenever I see people out here shucking and jiving, it's like, they're not like, I mean, they're shucking and jiving because they're shucking and jiving, period but the period they're shucking and jiving but like it's not just that they're shucking and jiving it's that they're they're ignorant like they like they they, they we, we've got to read essentially, essentially what I'm telling you is you got is, is fam you have to read and I understand I'm not trying to sound ableist or classist or anything because I get it sometimes you know we don't have we don't have access to stuff um you know we we might not have we might not have access to to just be able to hop on Amazon or be able to hop, hop on our favorite bookstore and and you know spend $300 in books so we can become more educated on a topic like I like fam I get it but we have got to get knowledge and if that and if what like those of us who have knowledge we've got to drop that knowledge we've got to drop that knowledge. we can't be stingy and be like well I you know I have the degrees I have whatever we are a community and so we need to have communal learning we need to teach one another we have got to teach our own people so as we teach our own people then whenever we're in these situations whenever somebody does and says something racist 
we are equipped to be able to be like, yeah, that's a problem. And here's why and be equipped to be able to be equipped to be able to bring that capital R reckoning so we can get them capital R reparations. And so, you know, I think there's, there have been so many instances over the last few months where you have black people, where you have black people in predominantly white spaces who the white people around them decide, oh, okay, we need to, we need to get woke. And so then they turn to the black people in the room and they're like, okay, hey, get us woke. But the black people in the room sleep <laughs> and they, and they are in that room because they sleep. And so it's like, so then all of a sudden, you know, Buffy and then want to be woke. And it's like, you know, you in the room and you don't even, you don't know the first thing about how to, about how to talk about oppression. You don't know the first thing about how to define racism. You don't know any of this because your presence in the room was predicated upon you not being somebody who was going to push back. But then they decide, oh man, like, you know, this is, this could hurt our bottom line. If we don't, if we don't deal with our racist issues, this could, this can become an, an HR issue or whatever. And so then suddenly they're calling upon you and like you sitting here ill-equipped. And so I've seen so many instances of that in the past, in in the past several months. I mean, I mean, really, if I'm honest, I've seen it in the past several years where black folks who are ill-equipped to have this conversation walk up in the room with nothing, armed with nothing but their blackness and lead people wrong and lead people astray and got people, got these white folks out here saying and doing just some, some ratchet stuff. And so we, we can't have that. You, you have got to, to have the education. You've got to have the knowledge. Whenever I say education, again, I don't necessarily mean formal education. I don't mean like, you know, go out and spend money and get a degree. I don't mean, you know, that you, that you need to spend money on books, but you have got to get this knowledge somehow, whether it's from, whether it's from Oprah Winfrey's internet, whether it is from the library, whether it's from your, you borrow books from your friends. I mean, you know, Hey, if you need, if you need some books, if you need some knowledge, you can hit me up. I'm talking about black people can hit me up and, and maybe, maybe I can send you some books or maybe I can send you some recommendations or get you, get you connected to some resources that are, that are free. I think that we, that we need to be ready to sacrifice our ancestors sacrifice our ancestors people people and it wasn't everybody like let's be let, let's be real it was a small amount of people now in some cases like the montgomery boy, bus boycott i mean like it was a lot there, there were some points when we got a lot of people participating and sometimes participating somewhat against their will because it's like no you're not gonna no you ain't gonna get on that bus um no you're not been to go shop at that woolworth's no, oh, you you in the store? I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock these bags out your hand. You're like, no, don't be here. But I'm talking about sacrifice in terms of like, maybe, I mean, like like people in Montgomery, they didn't ride the bus and like that was their transportation for a whole year. Like Montgomery, they had Uber before there was Uber. They came up with their own strategies and they came up with their own tactics to, to be able to conduct their lives. And so I think that we need to borrow some of that ingenuity from our ancestors and to say you know what this might mean that I don't shop at this store or it means that I'm not going to buy my gas from this gas station because of whatever it mean maybe it means that it's like you know hey I'm not going to 
you know, give this group of white people my money because stuff has happened to other people. And I'm not going to sit here and be the one, well, it ain't happened to me. And, but like, oh, I know I didn't have that experience, but I'm, but you're going to, but we're going to show solidarity with one another. And I guess that's another aspect of it too. I didn't plan on saying this, but the solidarity piece is we've got to be solid. We've got to have solidarity with one another. And that doesn't mean like, okay, we're just going to back one another up whenever somebody really is wrong. It was really, you know, being extra and doing something wrong, but we're going to back one another up in solidarity whenever somebody's like you know hey this is a problem you know this this business is a problem I I this job is a problem we're gonna back one another up and be like okay cool like if it, if this is a problem then I'm here I'm singing I'm singing backup I'm not gonna be trying to protect like you know the white people's feelings because because you at your church and you speaking up about racism or you or you on your job and you speaking about racism and then I've got to be the negro that comes in you know I gotta be I gotta be captain save them and be like oh but you know it, it wasn't that bad you know they the, the these people have been so good to us like like we we've got to show solidarity with one another well it's going to be about that time Time and I have rambled for way longer than I intended to but I hope that you got something out of it I hope that the reckoning with the capital R comes soon this has been combing the roots special thanks to producer Joshua Heath and executive producers Tyler Burns and Bo York Catch up with what I'm doing on these internet streets by visiting AllieHenny.com. There you'll be able to connect to my Twitter feed, my Instagram, and my Facebook writers page. Combing the Roots is powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Allie Henny. Peace. <laughs>